It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, Nate the Great, Nathan Yonke. Nate, week one is officially in the books. How are you feeling about the NFL season so far? Uh, feeling good. Last night, we had a very interesting game, so uh, it was good to see a very competitive football game, even though it was kind of surprising how ended up being competitive but uh good to have the first week of football in the books good to have a waiver wire tuesday uh back to having waiver wires and having interesting guys to pick up so uh definitely an interesting week for waiver wires as well yeah yeah i'm excited to get into the the waiver wire stuff but yeah man let let let's talk a little bit about monday night football we recapped pretty much the rest of uh of week one but we have obviously haven't touched on this Aaron Rodgers uh, feared to have torn or ruptured his Achilles in that game after just I think four offensive snaps so massive bummer there for for him for Jets fans for fantasy managers of him and and obviously even Garrett Wilson as well um so we'll obviously not we're concerned about Aaron Rodgers Zach Wilson's expected to now start as the quarterback one here your kind of immediate reaction to maybe how this affects uh, the Jets' pass catchers. Uh, yeah, you even should include the Packers as disappointed people because they're not going to get their first round pick at <laughs> this right. point. Now that it'll be a second round pick, but uh, the Jets receivers, this is definitely concerning for them. It was good to see uh, Garrett Wilson finally catch a touchdown from Zach Wilson near the end of the game there. So that gives a little bit of hope for Garrett Wilson, but Wilson definitely was a lot better last season when there were other quarterbacks throwing to him than Wilson. So a bit concerning there. Um, Alan Lazard was someone who I even included in the waiver wire article, even though that game hadn't been played yet and then ended up removing him just since I don't think his season will be nearly as good without having his longtime quarterback throwing to him anymore. So um, Tyler Conklin, another one who I think is kind of always been a borderline someone who could be on fantasy rosters or not. And he's now someone that I probably won't consider among the sleepers at tight end either. So I think this has a pretty significant impact on the jets. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this impacts the running backs. If they end up running the ball more often than they would have before, or if teams end up um, playing the run even more, making it harder for the jets running backs to run the ball. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a huge bummer. I, I was sitting there just kind of staring at my Garrett Wilson shares um, on Monday night, and and I had that kind of look of of uh, Robert Sala on the sideline when he realized that uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to be done because it's a bummer, man. I, I drafted Garrett Wilson a lot as my wide receiver one this year, and I think a lot of people did um, as well, just based on where he was going in drafts. And it was nice that he caught that touchdown, but I mean, I don't think it's crazy to maybe consider him outside of the top 12 wide receivers on, on a weekly basis at this point. Um, unfortunately, hopefully Zach Wilson can, you know, have a better season, but we we've have, we have a pretty decent sample size there of it being a bit more of a struggle for him at quarterback. So how about on the uh, Buffalo bills side, anything at least usage wise or, or, or anything that stood out for you? I know James cook took over the, the lead back role uh, for the first time this season. What did that look like? Uh, yeah, the Bills running backs basically went exactly how I expected it to. Cook saw the vast majority of the snaps um, here and there. One of the other running backs would come in for a couple plays here and there, uh, particularly uh, near the goal line or short yardage. Uh, not so much near the goal line, but even in the red zone area, it started to become a little bit more of the other running backs, which, again, is a little concerning for Cook's touchdown potential, but he should continue to see the majority of the carries. Um, hopefully the Bills offense in general is playing better so that Cook has more opportunities and can get a bit more fantasy points. But I think the biggest thing in this game for me is just how much they use 12 personnel. Uh, we knew it was going to be a lot, but they used it over 15 more snaps than any other team this first week of the season. It was very much their uh, base personnel package. Even when they were doing two-minute drill, it was two tight end sets. Uh, they kept on moving around where everyone was, which... Uh, <clears throat> Helps create some matchups for them. We saw Dodden Kincaid catch four passes in this game. Um, ideally, he starts seeing a little bit higher target share, but if he continues to see this amount of playing time run this amount of routes, that's definitely enough for him to be a fantasy starter throughout the season. So if he just sees a couple more targets, then he's probably going to be a fairly consistent top eight or so fantasy tight end. Yeah, I'm with you. That was that was at least encouraging to see. And yeah, J Josh Allen will have better games too, right? To be able to get him the ball. That J Jets defense is is legit. They they showed it in that game. They they were the ones that kept uh, New York in that game. Uh, kept Josh Allen to just one touchdown. They th he threw three interceptions as well, all to Jordan uh, Whitehead, which is which is pretty wild. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be a better Bills offense going forward. I'm sure they'll get things together and uh, we'll have better days as well for for Dalton Kincaid uh, just based on that usage, which was encouraging. So anything else from from last night's game that uh, that I'm missing here? Oh yeah, going back to the Jets, the running backs. It was great to see Brees Hall um, both be able to play and then see how well he played. Uh, broke that 80 yard run, had two other plays of over 20 yards, uh, played a little bit, especially near the end of the game as well. So we knew heading into the game that he was going to be on a pitch count. So it wasn't surprising to see him play so few snaps in this game. Not worried about that. Um, usually when I do my recaps, I'm almost entirely focused on usage. But in this case, it was fairly clear that the big takeaway is that he is able to run and make big plays. So that was great for him. Um, the one downside is Michael Carter was there for the to be the third down back. So this was a three-man committee rather than a two-man committee. Uh, we could very well see that change when Brees Hall sees more playing time, but it will be a little bit uh, difficult for the Jets running backs if this continues to be a three-man committee rather than two-man. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there's a pretty good chance that we see Brees Hall's usage kind of increase as the weeks go ahead and, and probably take over that third down role just based on everything that we have saw from him last year. Looks healthy this year. I mean, it seemed like every time he touched the ball, I know he had a couple runs that didn't go anywhere, but he also had a lot of runs that did definitely um, look explosive and, and he looked good. I, he should have had a touchdown on, on that that huge run that he had. I think Garrett Wilson started celebrating. He could have potentially blocked there and, and got us a touchdown for Brees Hall, which would have made his day even better on that small sample size. But um, we'll get there with Brees Hall. It, it was nice to see at least that he was continuing to the, the big plays that we were used to seeing from him last year. So uh, exciting stuff from Monday Night Football. Hopefully uh, Zach Wilson's able to get the Jets uh, offense on track here, but uh, we will see that in the weeks ahead, hopefully. Um, But yeah, today we're talking waiver wire targets on this episode. One of the most important things you can do, I think, to help give yourself a competitive advantage against the rest of your league mates is by being locked into the top waiver targets each week, staying on top of every single uh, staying on top of that every single week, because even in like a lot of competitive leagues, I find not everyone's able to do that for 16 or 17 weeks straight. So if you have the will to be that guy or gal, I think it's a significant advantage for you. So Looking forward to going through our first list of priority targets here in a minute. Um, But first, I want to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's get into it here. And we'll start with the quarterback position. Um, we got a few names here that you've you've listed in your waiver wire article over on pff.com. Um, but we'll talk about some of these names here and start at the top of the list. Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, he's rostered in 24.5% of leagues on ESPN. You've also included Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers, who's rostered in 15.8%. Jared Goff and Derek Carr, both rostered a little bit more than, than each of those guys. Goff at 48.9%, Derek Carr at 28.4%. So uh, starting with Purdy, what, what, what did you like about Brock Purdy this week um, to make him worth the waiver claim? Uh, yeah, this was an interesting week one, and a lot of the teams that we expected to do well this season didn't end up having a good week one. The 49ers were kind of the clear exception to this, uh, the Cowboys as well, but the 49ers, uh, Purdy completed 19 of 29 passes, 220 yards, two touchdowns, and this is a pretty common stat line that we were seeing out of Purdy last season. He was throwing a lot of touchdowns. It's a lot of getting the ball to the best players. They have clear a clear four top players, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, uh, George Kittle. It'll change each week, which uh, the two or three of them end up having a good week. But I think as long as Purdy's able to get them the ball, he's going to continue to have pretty good fantasy weeks. He's been among the top touchdown or top quarterbacks in touchdowns per attempt over the past two seasons that continued in this game. 
Uh, he ended up as a top 10 fantasy quarterback this week, and we could very well continue to see him uh, do this well because the 49ers offense is just this good. So even if Purdy's not a top 10 or top 15 uh, quarterback in real life, he just has the talent around him that he's going to be able to do this in fantasy. So my focus when writing this was a bit more which quarterbacks will help you season long rather than specifically streamers for this upcoming week. So Purdy someone that I think uh, you can have on your roster and start in a number of matchups. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like Brock Purdy this year. Um, and look, he, like you said, last year he was he did a good job of being a solid fantasy quarterback. He was among the top quarterbacks and fantasy points per drop back when he became a starter as well and he's got the offensive weapons to support him and and hopefully add some um some production to his totals as well so i'm with you on brock purdy i like the call there how about jordan love because we saw jordan love look pretty encouraging in the preseason uh and that ended up kind of continuing here i know it was against a, a bears defense that it has some struggles and, and potentially still working out some kinks over there, but I think it was at least a good sign here that Jordan Love um, looked solid in week one. Uh, yeah, he completed 15 of 27 passes, 245 yards and three touchdowns. So was one of the top quarterbacks this week in terms of fantasy purposes. Um, his PFF grade wasn't quite as high. So um, it, was a little discouraging that love only completed 15 of his 27 passes, but it was also worth noting uh, he was without uh, Christian Watson for the entire game. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, even though he scored two touchdowns was being rotated in and out throughout the game. Um, They used three different other younger wide receivers on the outside uh, to replace Watson and uh, Dobbs when he was off the field. So um, while I expect love to play better with the other wide receivers, uh, his uh, PFF grade being that low was a little bit discouraging. So I think love someone that I would just want on my roster just to see what he can do going forward. Cause I would expect uh, his PFF grade to continue. I would expect him to have good games with his wide receivers uh, healthier than they were in this game. So it's more of a wait and see, but I think love someone that's worth picking up just to see what he can do going forward. Yeah, especially like you said, when Christian Watson gets back in the lineup, we know what he can do with the ball in his hand. So if he's able to get the ball to him, you know, consistently and effectively, that makes all the difference in the world as well. So hopefully we get Christian Watson back healthy um, next week, too. So anybody else at the quarterback position? We covered uh, Purdy. We covered Jordan Love. Um, we mentioned Jared Goff and Derek Carr, but anybody else or or including those two that that you'd want to talk about here? Um, it's worth mentioning Mac Jones was uh, one of the top fantasy quarterbacks this week. A uh, big part of that was he threw the ball 54 times, which was more than all the other quarterbacks. So a lot of this had to do with volume, but he did grade fairly well, uh, better than he did in most games last season. Uh, he did that without Devontae Parker at wide receiver. Um, he did that um, similar with Jordan Love. A number of his receivers are rookies playing in their first ever NFL game. So players that we expect to do better going forward. So while I'm not all in on Mac Jones after this one performance, I do think this was a promising performance. I'm a little more excited to see what he can do going forward. And he's only rostered in less than 5% of leagues at ESPN. So if you're in a little bit deeper league where the quarterbacks we just mentioned are not available, I think Mac Jones is someone that's worth considering um, in those deeper leagues. 
Yeah, definitely encouraging stuff there from Mac Jones. He had a strong rookie year last year, maybe a bit of a sophomore slump, um, but at least the first game for for this was against a good Eagles defense as well, which I think is encouraging, right? Because um, we know the Eagles defense ha- have a lot of stars over there and potential um, for for turnovers and and big plays as well and, and make things hard on the quarterback. So I'd like the, that we saw Mac Jones kind of come out strong. And um, like you said, less than 5% roster ship on ESPN. Um, it, it makes him a good target here to potentially um, be a streamer if we need him uh, for the rest of the season. But other than that, any interest in Zach Wilson after last night's, obviously, the Aaron Rodgers injury news? Is is Wilson somebody that you would be looking to add over any of these these guys that we mentioned? Uh, probably not at this point. Um, maybe over Mac Jones, but outside of that, not really. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Um, not ideal, but uh, yeah, I, I, I even kind of like Mac Jones maybe a little bit more. I know the weapons maybe aren't as strong, but Zach Wilson has, uh, yeah just hasn't really shown it um, as much here. So we'll, we'll move on to the, the running backs now. Um, they, you got Kenneth Gainwell listed at the top, obviously for the Philadelphia Eagles rostered in just 21.7% of ESPN leagues. Um, you've also added Kyron Williams of the Los Angeles Rams. He's rostered a lot less at 10.3%. Justice, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, both Ravens running backs after the JK Dobbins Achilles tear. Um, and Josh Kelly as well for the Los Angeles Chargers, Austin Eckler dealing with a potential ankle injury that might keep him from playing time um, this coming week or or the weeks ahead. Hopefully there's nothing serious there, but I think it's worth probably adding Josh Kelly. So who, who do you want to start with here for, for the running back um, targets? I think we'll start with Gainwell just because I feel decently confident that he should be a three-down back, at least for the foreseeable future, as long as he's healthy. He did show up on the injury report for Thursday Night Football, so that in itself is a little concerning, but everything that we saw out of training camp, the beat reporters were fairly consistently reporting that Gainwell was seeing the most work with the first team, so it wasn't surprising to me to see Gainwell have this kind of role. Um, If anything, it was surprising that he saw such a high percentage of snaps on third down. I kind of expected that to be uh, DeAndre Swift's uh, clear role with the team, but instead uh, the Eagles did not use the running back similar to how they used them last year. It was just Gainwell was the top guy. Swift was the second guy. Boston Scott also mixed in here and there. And the Eagles offense really didn't play that well, so it didn't lead to a huge fantasy output out of Gainwell. Uh, 54 rushing yards on 14 attempts and four receptions for 20 yards. But I expect the Eagles offense to be playing better in the future. So um, once the Eagles offense is playing better, that will lead to better fantasy output out of Gainwell. So Gainwell, assuming he's healthy, he's someone that I would be comfortable putting in fantasy starting lineups going forward. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, we talked about Gainwell a lot this this offseason, especially once it became clear that, you know, he was going to uh, surpass Rashad Penny on the depth chart. We saw that in the preseason as well. So um, Gainwell continues to be somebody that uh, we like to add here and, and again, comes at a fairly cheap cost because now we can get him off the waiver wires in, in nearly 80% of uh, ESPN leagues as well. So someone to target there for sure. Uh, how about Kyron Williams? We talked about this on the, uh, the recap show. We were a bit surprised here with, with Cam Akers not being the clear lead uh, RB1 for the Rams. Instead, Kyron Williams, who put in two touchdowns, but you know, outside of that, it was the usage really that was mostly encouraging for him, right? 
Uh, yeah, we saw him see the majority of carries, the majority of pass routes, everything, especially over those first three quarters. Um, it feels weird saying that we're concerned about Cam Akers after he ran the ball over 20 times, but a lot of that happened in the last three minutes and 30 seconds of the game when the Rams were just trying to run out the clock. He ended up running the ball eight times in that situation. So outside of those last couple minutes, it was really Williams who was the clear running back for Los Angeles and their offense in general played a lot better than we expected them to. So uh, Williams uh, scored 17.4 PPR points, which was uh, ninth best for running backs, at least heading into Monday Night Football. Brees Hall very well could have surpassed that. But um, the only concern with this is the Rams have been known to change how they use the running backs at various points in the season. So we could very well see Cam Akers take the backfield back over uh, next week. I do think Williams should at least continue to see the third down roll, the two minute drill roll throughout the rest of the season, but I just don't know um, what that percentage will continue to look like on early downs. Uh, the one promising thing is Williams also saw some goal line opportunities, so that should lead to some touchdown opportunities in the future. So he's someone that I think is definitely worth adding to the roster, but I might want to wait one more week to see how this looks before I'm ready to put Williams in a starting lineup. Yeah, I think that's fair. In most leagues, you should have potentially better options than Kyron Williams, but definitely worth adding, right? I, I mean, deeper leagues, maybe, yeah, you do, you probably have to, you might consider starting him, but I, I, I think for the most part, we're, we got better options than Kyron Williams. We, we maybe don't expect the two touchdowns again, even though the goal line work was nice for him, and that Rams offense actually looks surprisingly well, and I'm sure we'll talk about them again in a, in a little bit, but sticking with the running backs for now, um, Maybe what about Baltimore? J.K. Dobbins, uh, obviously the Achilles tear. Do you do you have any kind of more thoughts? I know we on Sunday night we we talked about this a little bit and and we were kind of split on on Justice Hill or, or Gus Edwards. But are you leaning one way or the other a little bit more um, a, after another day? I'm still leaning Hill a little bit more just because I know he'll have the passing down role where Edwards will not have a passing down role. I think Edwards and Hill will continue to split the early down work. Um, the big thing for me is just how much Melvin Gordon will mix in and see playing time versus just being the third or third running back. Um, the, we did get more clarity that the Ravens do not intend on bringing in any other running backs, so we shouldn't really worry about Kareem Hunt or Lennon Fournette or someone like that coming in and uh, completely taking over the backfield. I think Hill and Edwards will continue to be the two primary backs throughout the rest of the season. The only thing is they will probably take playing time away from each other. This is going to be a two-man committee, so it's not going to be a great situation for either running back, but any running back who's going to see roughly 50% of snaps or more is at least worth having on fantasy rosters. Nice. Good call. Um, all right. So the other names that you put in the, in the article here, you also have Tyler Algier of the Atlanta Falcons, Jalen Warren of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tank Bigsby of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Roshan Johnson of the Chicago Bears, Tyjay Spears of the Tennessee Titans, Jerome Ford of the Cleveland Browns. So anybody that particularly excites you um, after, after week one that, that you want to touch on here? I think the one that's probably most worth mentioning is Joshua Kelly with the Chargers. He's someone that I did not originally include in the waiver article when I wrote it, 
Monday morning just because even though he saw so many carries in that game, the Chargers played 80 overall plays. At first, I thought it was just Austin Eckler had already played so many plays, so they were getting Kelly in just so they weren't overworking Eckler. Now it's probably that Eckler suffered that ankle injury at some point, and therefore he wasn't seeing as much playing time in the second half because of that injury. So I'm not too interested in Kelly long-term as long as Eckler is healthy, but the fact that um, they're not sure if Eckler is going to be able to practice this week. Kelly could very well be the top running back for Los Angeles in week two. So if I'm looking for specifically a running back that I want to start this upcoming week and I'm not too concerned about the long term at this point, then Kelly's probably the running back on this list that I'd most be interested in for the following week, assuming that Eckler is not able to play. But we probably won't get too much clarity on that injury situation until much later in the week when waiver wire period has passed. So if you're looking for a running back this week, it probably makes sense to pick up Kelly now and then see what happens. Yeah. I, I, even if, even if we don't get that clarity, it's definitely worth putting the claim in for Josh Kelly. Um, because yeah, you consider the offense, you consider the potential role there. If Eckler does miss time, um, definitely somebody that's worth adding. He'd probably be, I, yeah, I think he's, probably the top option for me as well. I think Gainwell and, and Kyron Williams are probably close, but um, I, if I, especially if I have Austin Eckler, I'm, I'm definitely adding Joshua Kelly this week. So uh, anybody else on, on among the running backs uh, here that, uh, that you want to touch on? Uh, I'll go with Tajay Spears and Jerome Ford, two guys mm-hmm. that are available in a lot of leagues, just because I know it's tough with waivers since league sizes are so different from one league to another. Some of these guys are going to be completely taken in all of the leagues you're in. So try to include some people who are more widely available. Spears played uh, roughly half of the offensive snaps for Tennessee, uh, played well in his limited carries. So I think he's someone who could see a little bit more playing time as the season progresses. Uh, Obviously hard for him to have too much value with Derrick Henry still there, but always a chance they decide to move on from Henry at some point too, since Tennessee probably more looking ahead to the long-term than specifically this season. So uh, given that there's a chance that it could happen, I think Spears is very interesting. And then Jerome Ford basically saw a similar role to what Kareem Hunt has had in the past. Hunt has been a fantasy contributor, even with Nick Chubb healthy in the past. So uh, there's at least a chance Ford can have some standalone value with Cleveland, even though it probably won't be too much value unless uh, there's an injury to Chubb. But I think he's at least someone that saw more playing time than I expected him to have. He saw the majority of the work on the on third downs, uh, significant snaps on early downs in the fourth quarter specifically. So um, I, he just saw more playing time than I expected, especially coming off that injury. So I think he's worth at least considering in some of those deeper leagues. Yeah, I, I agree there. And especially if that Browns defense allows um, them to kind of dominate uh, their their opponent like they did the Bengals this week, we might see more opportunities for Jerome Ford and, and more rest for for Nick Chubb. But uh, we'll, we'll see after more than just one week of uh, sample size there for, for the Cleveland Browns. But um, before we move on to uh, the wide receivers and the tight ends, I do want to give a one more sponsor shout out here to DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? 
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL week week two action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus best expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so many more doors the show is called the The Deal. deal listen to the deal Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right. We've covered quarterbacks. We've covered running backs. There's more um, of those players if you want to look at them on Nate's uh, article on pff.com with more detail, with more graphs and images um, to kind of help break down that usage a little bit. We'll, We'll keep things moving here and talk about some wide receivers. Nate, Top of the list, the man that uh, did the Cooper Cup impersonation, uh, Puka Nakua for the Los Angeles Rams, rostered in just 2.3% of ESPN leagues. Um, he is He's the first one you have listed here. You've also listed Romeo Dubs of the Green Bay Packers, who's rostered in 19% of leagues. Tutu Atwell, another Rams wide receiver, raf- r- rostered in 5.6% of leagues. Uh, and Zay Jones of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's rostered in a little bit more at 31. Uh, 30.1% of leagues, but we saw some encouraging usage there for him as well. So let's start with Puka Nakua. Um, is he your top waiver claim for at least for the wide receivers this week? Uh, for the wide receivers, for sure. I think a lot of it will just depend on your roster and whether you more need running backs or wide receivers. That'll determine which of the players overall is your top waiver priority. But Nakua uh, had one of the best games for week one. Rookie wide receiver that we've seen uh, caught 10 passes, which we haven't seen by a week one rookie wide receiver in the PFF era before 119 yards, which is only behind Marquise Brown, Eddie Royal, Terry McLaurin, all wide receivers who ended up having decent careers or some in some cases careers that are still going on. But Nakua is someone that I think I just want to have on my roster to find out what he ends up becoming, because this could be a case where he doesn't have a game like this at all over the rest of the season, or he could be the next great wide receiver in the NFL. And there's uh, plenty of 
variety of what could happen in between those two extremes, but I think it's worth putting in the waiver claim just to see how his career progresses. And uh, we talked about this on our re- on the recap show, but uh, once Cooper Cup is back on the field, we might see Nakua not see as much playing time, or we might just see Cup dominate targets in a way that he has in the past, which means fewer targets for everyone else. But we also don't know when Cup will be back or when he's back, if he's going to be 100%. So we could see Nakua being a big part of this Rams offense for a long time. So I think it's definitely worth picking up and seeing what he ends up becoming since a lot of the other wide receivers, we kind of know what their ceiling is, but we don't know what Nakua's ceiling is yet. He is the one player probably out of all of the players that we're talking about that has at least a chance of being top five, top 10 at their position. We just don't know yet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, 15 targets is very nice, obviously. Um, but it, it, you know, we, maybe even if we don't expect 15 targets going forward, right. It at least showed that Matthew Stafford trusted him was, was willing to get him the ball. Stafford was one of our highest graded, uh, passers this week as well. So he looked good. Um, he looks like he'll be able to move that ball efficiently. Um, so Puka Nakua coming in at, at least while Cooper cup is out, right. And Cooper cups out, out at least for another three weeks, it could be longer depending on how that, um, hamstring heals up and how he's doing, but I'm with you. Puka Nakua absolutely has, um, my eyes wide open and, and somebody that I'll be trying to add as in as many leagues as I can, but how about the rest of these guys and, and mentioning Romeo Dobbs, Tutu Atwell, also with the Rams and Zay Jones, anybody there that you're particularly interested in if you cannot get Puka Nakua this week? Oh uh, yeah. I'll start with Dobbs. Uh, when I do this waiver article, I basically write out a lot of it even before week one happens. And Dobbs was someone that was near the top of the wide receivers, even before he scored his two touchdowns, just because I what I thought of his potential this season and the fact that he was available in over 80% of ESPN leagues. So uh, Dobbs played on a limited basis. We knew that coming into the game, it was uh, reported that uh, he would play, but not play his usual role. I would expect him to see close to hundred percent of snaps once he's healthy. And the fact that he scored two touchdowns was great to see. So that only added to how excited I am for Dobbs this season. Um, The only concern for me is last year he was playing in the slot part of the time, and he was playing better in the slot than he was out wide. In this game, he was almost entirely playing out wide. Jaden Reed uh, has pretty well established himself as the slot receiver in Green Bay. So a little concern just because Dobbs is playing out wide the entire time, which he didn't do as well last year. But uh, seeing him score two touchdowns and all of the talk that he's potentially Jordan Love's favorite target, Uh, means that I'm excited to see at least what he can end up doing. And for the most part, when you have a very young wide receiver who is an every down starter, those are the kind of players that I want on the bottom of my roster just to see what they can end up becoming. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Obviously, the, the two touchdowns is encouraging that Jordan Love's going to target him in that area of the field. And yeah, he looked good doing it. So we could see yeah some uh, improvement, obviously, from Romeo Dubs here in year two. Uh, let's see. We got uh, also on top of the the Tutu Atwells and Zay Jones. You've also mentioned Jonathan Mingo of the Carolina Panthers. Jaden Reed, another Green Bay Packers wide receiver. You just talked about him taking over that slot role. Uh, Rashid Shahid of the New Orleans Saints, Rashad Bateman of the Baltimore Ravens, and Rashi Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, of of the guys that that are that are remaining here, who do you who do you like to talk about um, for for week two ahead? 
I think the first one I want to mention is Zay Jones of Jacksonville, uh, available in 70% of leagues. He caught five passes for 55 yards and a touchdown. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about throughout the preseason was how Jacksonville was using their wide receivers in two wide receiver sets and Christian Kirk uh, not being in that formation as much with Zay Jones playing in the two wide receiver sets. And that continued to be the case in the preseason or in the first week of the season. So Jones uh, saw as much playing time as he averaged last season. And I think the big thing for me is he was a top 30 fantasy wide receiver last season. Uh, yes, they added Calvin Ridley, but the big thing is Ridley will also attract the top coverage from teams going forward where last year it was a Jones who was the top outside wide receiver for the team. Uh, now he's the second outside wide receiver option. So I don't think the coverage that he'll be facing will be as strong this year as it was last year. So if he was able to be a top 30 wide receiver facing some of the top coverages from teams, uh, now he's not going to be facing as good of coverages. Uh, yeah, more targets are going to be going to Ridley, but I think that can, I'll largely all more or less cancel out so that Jones can continue to be a top 30 or top 40 wide receiver. And those kind of players are definitely worth having on rosters. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like that call. Um, the other one that I, I think is interesting, at least for me, is Rashi Rice, right? So we, we saw him start to get targeted. I know he didn't play, you know, as much as the rest of the Chiefs wide receivers. I think uh, he was fifth in, in routes run on the team, but he kind of looked like the best one of the bunch, especially when you consider, you know, the drops from Kadarius Tony and the struggles of Sky Moore uh, and the lack of involvement for Sky Moore when he was on the field. So I think there's definitely a chance here that Rushy Rice uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, we might see him or see his in, uh, usage kind of increase as the week goes on, which we typically do for most rookies. But I think in his situation, specifically considering the play of the other chiefs receivers being so concerning that that might be, um, might come a little bit sooner rather than later for him. He was the number one graded uh, wide receiver this past week, not including Monday night football in receiving grade versus zone coverages. We do te see teams play a little bit more zone against Patrick Mahomes and too high. We know he's got that after the catch ability as well. That was a big thing for Mahomes uh, last season. So, I think Rushy Rice, who's rostered in less than 10% of leagues, um, could be kind of interesting here. So how about you? Do, do you feel okay about adding Rushy Rice in, in week one before um, that usage kind of increases going forward? Uh, yeah, I think I am as long as I'm willing to be patient with him. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't foresee Kansas City uh, reacting too much to one single game. I think Rice, uh, he played the majority of his snaps in the slot, which was Sky Moore's primary role. So if Rice starts seeing more playing time, it'll probably be at the expense of Moore, who did not have a great game week one. So I think Kansas City probably won't overreact to uh, Moore not having a great game and continue to trust Moore and give him more opportunities. So it might be a while before Rice can potentially overtake more for the slot role, which would probably be needed for him to be a consistent fantasy player. So it's just another case of Patrick Mahomes is going to need a number two option at some point of time. It has to be someone at some point in order for the team to be more su successful than they were on Thursday night football. So Rice was the highest graded wide receiver on the team, uh, did the best st statistically. So we could see Rice potentially get there, but there are other young wide receiver options as well that are already getting more playing time that if you're hoping for a better return on your investment early on, uh, guys like you mentioned, Jonathan Mingo, Jaden Reed, 
guys who already have very clear roles with their teams that uh, also are rookie wide receivers uh, also picked in the second round who are seeing more playing time. So if you're looking for someone more short term, then those are probably the guys that you want to look at. Nice. Good call. Um, all right. Anybody else uh, among the wide receivers that you want to go into detail here? Cause um, yeah, we, we, there's still a few names, but um, up to you. Oh yeah. I'll go into Rashid Shahid a little bit uh, available in 98% of leagues. He had a great game, five catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. I just think he's intriguing just with how talented he is. Uh, he was excellent on a per play basis last year. And that just continued this year with the new quarterback uh, with the wide receivers that they have on the team. Uh, my only concern is I don't really see how he's going to carve out a larger role with the team since uh, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas are the two starting wide receivers. I don't see that changing anytime soon. So it's going to be hard for him to have a bigger role in this game, but he's just played so well that it's hard to not consider him. So um, with how well he's played on a per play basis and how good of a game he had with a different quarterback throwing him the ball and with other talented players on the field, I just think he's worth stashing on a roster in case um, he just becomes too good of a player for the saints to ignore. Yeah, I'm with you. He's a very exciting player. He could potentially be maybe one of those kind of boom bust guys every week. But if you're looking for high upside, I mean, Rashid Shahid definitely has it. I know he had the 87.1 receiving grade versus man this past week, which was seventh best in, in the NFL. So um, there's there's definitely potential there for Rashid Shahid. And if Derek Carr can continues to take deep shots uh, with him as that primary deep target, then there's going to be some big weeks for sure with those high value targets uh, for Rashid Shahid. So I like that call as well. Um, Should we move on to the tight ends here? Sure. All right, let's go to tight end uh, and right at the top, somebody that we talked about quite a bit this offseason, Chigo Conquo of the Tennessee Titans, uh, rostered in just 49.2% of ESPN leagues. You've also included uh, Sam Laporta of the Detroit Lions, another name that we talked about quite a bit this offseason. He's rostered in 34.6%. So between Oconquo and Laporta, do you have a preference here um, among the, the top tight ends available on waiver wires? Um, it's got to be a Kunkwo, and I know he's only rostered in roughly 50% of leagues, which is right at my cutoff of when I'm willing to write about a player in this article, and I know probably plenty of people listening are in more of the 12-team leagues where he's probably not going to be available, but it was encouraging to see a Kunkwo, um play 95% of snaps on 12 and 21 personnel, uh, 75% of snaps in 11 personnel almost always on the field when Tennessee was running a pass play. So even if he's not available on the waiver wire, he's someone that I wrote about in the five to add, five to drop, five to buy low and five to sell high as someone that I'd be looking to trade for since uh, he didn't catch either of his targets. So statistically he did not have a great week one, but in terms of his usage, it was very promising for what he can do going forward. Yeah, he, he's a great example of of the box score, maybe not telling the whole story for him, right? He obviously had that deep target down the sideline where he was wide open. Ryan Tannehill overthrew him. But like you've said, the snaps are there for Oconquo, which was one of our bigger concerns for him coming coming into the year. Definitely encouraging usage there, and there will be better days ahead. So I'm with you on, on kind of buying low on Chico Conquo right now and and hoping for, for bigger games, obviously, in, in the future. But um Sam Laporta, another guy that we talked about uh, a fair bit closer to the the start of the regular season here, as it was clear that he was going to emerge as the Lions' top 
um, tight end. And that was definitely the case in uh, in week one against the Chiefs. So um, Sam Laporta going forward, uh, where where do you have him kind of in your rankings at this point? Um, he's right around that top 12 fantasy tight ends going forward. Uh, he caught five passes, which was the most receptions for a rookie tight end since TJ Hawkinson did it uh, what five years ago. So it was kind of interesting to see that it was a, a former Iowa tight end uh, who went to Detroit who ended up doing that uh, both times. So I think he's just going to continue to see the volume. Ideally, he starts seeing some touchdowns to go along with it. But I think the volume alone, especially in a week where no tight end caught more than 60 yards with all the injuries that we've had at tight end as well. I think Laporta is someone that deserves to be in fantasy starting lineups going forward. So he's definitely worth picking up. Nice. I like that. And uh, the other names uh, on the tight end waiver list here that you've put Zach Ertz of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who's rostered in 39.7% of ESPN leagues, but also Luke Musgrave of the Green Bay Packers and Irv Smith of the Cincinnati Bengals. Both those guys are rostered in fewer than 10% of leagues. So between Ertz, Musgrave and, and Irv Smith, do you have a potential favorite amongst this group? Um, I think Ertz is worth talking about just because there was so much working against him heading into the season with the injury, with Trey McBride remaining on the roster, uh, with the quarterback problems that they've had and the new coaching staff. uh, There were a lot of reasons to not be encouraged with Ertz this season, but uh, he didn't see quite as many snaps as he typically did last year, but he just saw so many targets throughout the game, 10 targets, the most for a tight end this week. So a fear tight end seeing a ton of targets and we know what Ertz is capable of doing. Uh, this is was his first game back with injury, so I expect him to play better than he did in this game going forward. So if you match the targets with his past production, that's a clear starting fantasy tight end. So um, I know he's only available in just over 60% of leagues where the other two tight ends are a lot more widely available, but I think Ertz is probably the most exciting of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 usage was definitely encouraging, and like you said, that that's pushing for you know easily startable tight end um, underlying numbers when you look at the target rate and and the usage for Zach Ertz in in week one. Just need that offense to click a little bit better here, so we'll see what happens with Josh Dobbs and company going forward. But yeah, Luke Musgrave and, and Irv Smith are the other options. These guys are maybe more for for deeper leagues here, but I, we talked a fair bit about Luke Musgrave all offseason pretty much but Irv Smith is another one on the the Bengals do you want to talk about him a little bit because obviously this Bengals offense is going to have better days so for those deeper leagues um should they be encouraged about Irv Smith going forward yeah the big thing for me is he had over a 20 percent target rate which is something that we don't see all that often by the Bengals tight ends typically it happens when one of the wide receivers are injured so the fact that Smith saw so many uh, targets, given the fact that all of the Bengals wide receivers were there, uh, was pretty encouraging. So it's a similar thing with going after Kansas City wide receivers. If we can get one of the players who's constantly on the field in a Joe Burrow offense, then that's at least worth considering. So that's a lot of the upside with Smith. Uh, we have seen him play well when he's been healthy. So the injuries have been the big thing for him throughout his career. So there's a chance that everything can be working right and Smith could be a fantasy starter. We just need to see the Bengals offense play a lot better first in order for that to potentially happen. 
Yeah, I'm with you. All right. I mean, that's pretty much all of our, our waiver targets. Anybody else that, that you want to add or you think that's good? And we could obviously direct people to the website as well. Uh, yeah, I think that pretty well covers the waiver targets for the week. Awesome. All right. So definitely if you want to uh, follow up on those players or have a list of them, go to pff.com, check out Nate's waiver article. They will all be listed there in detail. Um, but that's going to do it for the fantasy portion of the podcast. It's been a while since we did this. It's We're out of draft season now for fantasy purposes, but draft season between us continues to roll on here. We haven't done a five-round draft in what feels like forever, but the last one we did was our season preview episode uh, with Kate. We did like a triple threat match. Um, so let's do another one here. Uh, we're drafting five MCU characters to star in a movie. Uh, this should be pretty interesting. Um, we, we've done some MCU ones before. Uh, Nate, what, do you, what's, uh, what are your thoughts going into this uh, little five-round draft here? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, this is fun. Anytime we're like, okay, we have too much to do that. We don't have too much time to prepare. We always go back to the MCU to because we know we can do that off the top of our head. So that's always great. But I think this is a fun one. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of movies you and I both are trying to make to see if we're trying to take characters away from each other or if we're just completely different parts of the MCU and we're not conflicting with each other whatsoever. <laughs> yeah this this is going to be interesting you have the first overall pick here um so yeah we'll see what kind of movies we try to build but i'll let you uh lead us off here who's going to be your your first pick yeah so like typically when we have a first pick it's whoever is the best at something or something like that i'm going with the character that if i don't have this character then my whole theme i have in my head for my movie would just fall apart so i'm going to go with kingpin for my first pick um get myself the street level villain that's hopefully going to be a big part of the MCU over this next couple of years. And I'm going to end up with more street level characters, but uh, it looks like you're not happy that I'm going with Kingpin, but this um, is crazy. Since I can go with different <laughs> street level characters, but Kingpin's the one villain that you need to do that. So now we'll see how much you have to pivot. Yeah, so we we I guess we went into this with literally the exact same uh, idea, and uh, you've started things off by completely ruining my my day here and my draft uh, by taking Kingpin. So I don't know if now if I should just try to ruin your draft um, and and start taking some of these street level guys or not, or if I have to completely pivot at this point. So uh, this is a mess. Um, all right, let's go with. Oh God, I, I, I'm 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 rattled at this point. But I'm gonna go with uh, with I'm gonna go with Spider Man. I, I have to do it. I have to try to 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 throw you off at least a little bit here. I know there's gonna be other street level um, heroes, but I, I need Spider Man in the mix here um, to potentially be my star of uh, of my movie. And we've seen multiple Spider-Man in the MCU at this point because of that one movie. So just to confirm which Spider-Man you're taking here. <laughs> uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. Well, if I'm going with Kingpin first overall, I have to make sure that I get the other main rival that we've seen of Kingpin going with Matthew Murdock, uh, Daredevil. We've seen him twice now in the MCU. And if you count all of the former Netflix shows, we've seen him a lot more in the MCU as well. And definitely going with more of the tone that we've seen in the Netflix shows with at least my first two picks. 
Yeah, that's uh, I already had Daredevil written down as as your next pick here. I didn't even need to hear it. Um, so that's that's a good call. Um, oh man. All right. I, you know what? I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna try to mix things up a little bit. Get some matchups that maybe we haven't seen before. I feel like Red Skull hasn't been utilized to the his MCU okay. potential. I know he was killed off in the first Captain America movie, but uh, I I think there's more to be done with Red Skull. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put him um, as the the main uh, protagonist here against uh, against Peter Parker Spider Man. Plus, we did see him in Infinity War and Endgame, so we know he's still out there and alive and not actually dead. So. Um, I think I'm going to counteract your Spider-Man by going with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, since I think his Spider-Man might even work better with Daredevil and Kingpin, especially with the friendship that the actors have as well. That'll help with the chemistry in the movie. I know it's a little bit weird mixing the multiversal stuff with the street-level characters, but there can be an incursion that brings Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man world to our world, so... I think it can work out fine. I like it. I like it. Okay. So that's, yeah, you, you were able to rebound after I tr- I thought I could steal Spider-Man from you. So nice job there. Um, I guess for my next one, look, we saw at the end of Guardians 3 that Star-Lord will return. I like the chemistry between Peter Parker's Star uh, Spider-Man, uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man, and Chris Pratt's Star-Lord. So I think we're going to put Star-Lord into this thing, maybe make it like a, a cosmic uh, type movie here, because I'm I'm pivoting on the fly, but I, I like Star-Lord uh, <laughs> for, for this movie. That's fair. Um, I think with my next one, I'm going to go with uh, Yelena Belova, who we've seen mm. interact uh, with Kingpin in that universe before. I think in terms of uh, female street-level characters, she's probably the top one that I would want that mixes with these characters well and adds more intrigue to this movie. So I think Yelena's a great pick to go along with Daredevil and Spider-Man all fighting Kingpin. Nice. That's a good call. Okay. Um, I'm running out here. I'm running out for my list. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to add one more, one more hero to the list here. I'm going to go with Thor. Um, again, I, I think there's more potential for, for Thor, Chris Hemsworth's Thor. Um, I wasn't in love with the last Thor movie, so hopefully there's potential um, to kind of improve him and put him in kind of a bigger uh, production here, which is what we're kind of building towards right now. Yeah, that's fair. And we saw him and Star-Lord interact uh, in the Avengers movies, and it looked like they were pretty well building up them being a little bit of rivals, and then we didn't really see that too much in the last Thor movie. So being able to see those two characters interact again would be nice to see. Nice. Um, so my last pick, I think I need to add at least a little bit of comic relief because I got some fairly serious characters here. So I'm going to go with Luis from the two Ant-Man movies. I think even (laughs) though he has not interacted with any of these characters at any point before, but we did not see him in the last Ant-Man movie. So he could be up to literally anything at this point. I think he'd make any movie better. I think he would have made the third Ant-Man movie better if he just happened to be with the family when they were brought into the quantum realm. I think that would have helped the film immensely. So I think Luis would add a lot of fun to this uh, more so serious cast that I have so far. Yeah, we we love Louise, and yeah, I, I agree. Would have definitely made that last Ant Man movie better. I did not like that last Ant Man movie at all. So, uh, last pick for me. You know what? I I got a bit of a theme here for kind of bringing back villains and and using 
using them more to their potential. So I'm going to add Ultron in here. I'm going to see if there's maybe we could find a way to bring back Ultron, team him up with Red Skull. Maybe Red Skull's able to program or, him or something, or that goes awry. Whatever the the idea is, you guys be creative with it. <laughs> but I'm putting Ultron in the movie because I think there's more potential for that villain as well. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. It's kind of a, a hodgepodge here, but I think it could be like a big movie. Um, so that's what I'm going with. So. Uh, you've got Kingpin, Daredevil, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, uh, Yelena Belova, the White Widow, uh, and Luis from Ant-Man. I went with Spider-Man. That's uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Red Skull, Star-Lord, Thor, and Ultron. So we'll get those up on the Twitter poll uh, shortly. We do have a question um, in the comments here. I just noticed as well from Rendon Dai, um, who mentioned uh, veto trades. So Obviously, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of vetoing trades as well. People can make their own decisions. Uh, and, you know, if they want to make the trade, um, that's totally up to them. But we have a vetoed trade here from from Rendon. He mentions that he was traded uh, or he was trading Miles Sanders and Raheem Mostert for Jameer Gibbs. What, what do you think about this one? Oh, yeah, like I think I would agree that Gibbs probably is the better end of this trade. But in terms of vetoing, I think it has to be a bit more extreme than this for a trade not to go through. It has to be someone who is probably in their first year doing fantasy football, don't really know what they're doing, and someone clearly taking advantage of that person. And it, I don't think that's the case in this case. You can be down on Gibbs and high on Sanders and this be yeah. a fine enough trade that I could see someone justifying. So. Yeah, especially if it's redraft, right? Like if it's dynasty, obviously we we don't we don't like this at all. But redraft league, yeah. you know, if somebody if the if the um the mostert the guy that's trading mostert away or trading for mostert and and Sanders maybe lost J.K. Dobbins dealing with some other injuries at 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 running back something like that. We don't know the full context behind it here, but there's potential for wanting maybe two starting running backs for for Jameer Gibbs who didn't see you know the the most ideal usage, but obviously we expect that to continue as well. So yeah, not not into the vetoing trades thing other than like how you said. So um yeah, it, it's a bummer. Sorry about that, Rendon. But uh, hopefully, um, the league will will come to their senses, and and maybe you could come up with something um, to to make it, to make that trade go through. But that's going to do it for the first waiver wire show of the year. Uh, again. Super important to kind of stay on top of those waivers every single week. I, I promise it'll give you a significant competitive advantage over most of your league. Set alarms if you have to as reminders. But most importantly, pay attention to the PFF waiver wire articles put out by Nate every week. Be sure to tune into the podcast. We appreciate you all for listening. Uh, Nate, speaking of articles on PFF.com, what do you have going for uh, the rest of this week? Sure. So we had the Monday night recap go up right after Monday night football, the waiver article go up yesterday. So like you said, uh, has more players and goes into more detail than we went into here. Uh, five to add, five to drop, five to buy low, five to sell high, which went up this morning. So if you're interested in looking to for players either to consider trading away or trading or potentially cut from your roster, that's worth looking into. Also did a rest of season ranking. So started with my rankings heading into the season and made adjustments based on what we saw in week one. So rest of season rankings went up this morning as well. So that'll also help you decide um, not just is it worth picking up this player, but should it, is this player supposed to do better than someone else going forward? So that should help you there. Um, we'll have my rankings for this upcoming week. Uh, it'll be up on the website later today in the rankings section and the rankings article will be up tomorrow and then a start sit on Thursday. 
Beautiful. Lots of stuff there to check out. As for me, you'll find the IDP Fantasy Report up on the site today, likely very soon, which includes detailed breakdown and utilization for every defensive player from every game, as well as IDP waiver wires and notes. All of that will be included in the article. Um, I'll also have our first ever wide receiver performance against man and zone coverages uh, going going forward and, and from this past week, which is something you can find on PFF premium stats. But this one it goes into a little bit more detail, more geared towards fantasy and will highlight some ideal matchups for the week ahead in there, too. I'll have my IDP rankings up this week as well and the O-line D-line matchup article to highlight key players to target and avoid there for week two as well. So be sure to stay tuned in uh, to the podcast, to pff.com. You will find all of that good info to help you win your leagues this year. Again, thank you all for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with the week two IDP preview show and then back on Thursday with Kate to preview the offensive side of things for week two. Be sure to tune into those. And until then, peace out.